0: And some of you probably put your decorations out today, or this weekend, or this this week. And who, who did their decorations this week? Who did them three months ago? Uh, yeah, so some of you really like to do them, and you got those Christmas lights out and began to untangle them and wonder why you put them in uh, the, the the box as a baboon last week last year and. Uh, you know, it becomes a, almost a lost cause. I, I I found the easiest thing to do when you have tangled lights is just go buy new lights and throw those old lights away. All, all of us have had those lost cause projects. I can remember when I was in um, college, I worked at a furniture store in a warehouse, and I actually managed. Uh, you might bring me down just a little bit. There we go. Is that better? you guys keep just keep bringing him down so we can take a nap Uh, but I worked in a warehouse and and actually in in college I worked there for four years by the end of my time I was managing this warehouse off-site you know it's full of furniture it was you know it was overfull and overfilled and and its floor was real rough and and I had worked at a grocery store and the grocery store had this real smooth waxed floor and it was so easy to move stuff on and so I got the big ideal of getting our warehouse floor to that state. Uh, the, the, the problem is I didn't have any of the tools necessary to get that warehouse floor to that state other than a mop and a bucket, and it was a big warehouse, and it just wasn't going to happen. My boss said, oh, go go for it. If you can get it like that, great. It'll keep you busy. <laughs> uh, you know, it was a lost cause. It was a project that, that I could not complete. And finally, I gave up on trying to accomplish it. All of us have had lost cause projects. Uh, some of our lost cause projects are called the Browns and the Cincinnati Reds. But all of us have had lost cause projects, things that, that were too big for us to accomplish. And, and, and it's one thing when it's a project in your house, when it's, when it's, when it's refinishing a basement or, or doing something like that. But it's different when it's people or it's relationships, or it's a circumstance of life that that you feel like it is a lost cause. This morning, I got good news for you. There are no lost causes with God. (laughs) And and that's good news because I got to tell you, without God, I would be a lost cause. But there are no lost causes with God. And so we've been tracking uh, through this series, In the Flesh, we, we, we began with the ideal that the temple could not express the character of God, but Jesus wrapped in human flesh could. And, and so we've been tracking through this series that very ideal, and we're going to look at another story today found in John 11. It's a familiar story, and it's, it's quite a bit of scriptures that we're going to read, but, but they're worth reading. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. John 11, beginning in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Isn't it amazing how many times in the Scripture people are referred to as the one that Jesus loved? (laughs) When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Notice, for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant a natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. "'Lord,' Martha said to Jesus, "'if you had been here, my brother would not have died. "'But I know now even God will give you whatever you ask.'" Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know on the last day, I know he will rise again on the resurrection at the last day. And then this is a key verse. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I ask you, church, do you believe this? <laughs> yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was, come, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. But Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforted her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Then Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in the Bible, probably the first verse most of us ever memorized, Jesus wept. It's a powerful verse, folks. It's short, but it's significant. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of, the Pharisee, some of the, them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. What a powerful passage. You know, as powerful as that passage is, I don't believe in my 15-some years of, of being a senior pastor I've ever preached from John eleven, I I think it speaks to the richness of the Bible. You can speak a long time and not cover all that's in this book. And we've been tracking through all these actions of Jesus, or some of these actions of Jesus. Of course, we could we could preach for years and never completely cover just the life of Jesus. But but we, we, we talked about the feeding of the five thousand in the first week, and and Jesus loved people to the extent that their little concerns became his concern. We talked about Zacchaeus, and, and we, we saw that where others saw failure, Jesus saw potential. Then we talked about the lame man at the pool, and, and we talked about how Jesus goes to places most would avoid to be with people most would ignore. And then last week we talked about the, the demon-possessed man in the tombs, and, and we talked about how Jesus was willing to step into chaos, and And then this final week, we're going to talk about how there's no lost causes with Jesus, and there's no lost causes with God. You know, this is an interesting story, and it's interesting in a lot of ways. It's, It's interesting that Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick. It's interesting that Jesus knew that he was dying. In fact, Jesus knew that he was dead, and yet he delayed in coming and performing this miracle. You ever feel like God's delaying in your life? And Jesus understood that this resurrection would bring glory to God. Now now I want you to stop and consider the possibilities of this story, uh, the, the realities of this story in relation to our lives. God's timing can bring glory to God. And so it may not be our timing, but it may be God's timing. And somehow God receives the glory in that timing. I was, um, it's been about a month and a half ago, April passed away. And Terry had said to his brother, I believe this is how he said it, that God will do what brings the most glory to God. If it's healing her or taking her, God will do what brings the most glory to God. And, and, and I love that thought, and I love that ideal. And, 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 and it's the question is, does God need the glory? Why does, why does God move in this way? Is, it, is that God is somehow in need of our praise and our glory? Can I tell you, God's got enough glory to last him for eternity? He does. God does not need our praise. But, but our praise and giving God the glory serves this, this divine purpose. And it's this divine purpose that you see in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, see God possesses God has the ability to give us life and he wants his people to see this life-giving God God receiving glory is not about his ego but God receiving glory is about us finding life and meaning and purpose in him and the truth is God wants everyone to come to repentance. God's desire is for everyone you know to come to this state of dependence upon Him. So what we learn about this is God's perceived delays reflect not a lack of care, but God's compassion for all people. His delays in your life are not intended to harm you, but his delays are an expression of his love for all humanity and all humankind. You know, we all have delays, right? Some of you are in the midst of a delay right now. And what I'm saying doesn't lessen the pain. Amen? I mean, we're humans, and if Jesus can cry, we can cry, and we go through sorrow and grief. And, and even though we, we, in our mind, understand this concept that God has this divine plan that includes us and includes everyone, and the, and the, and the purpose of this plan is to bring people into relationship, as many people as possible into relationship with Him, there is still pain. And that's why that next verse is so significant. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus saw the overarching plan. He knew what God was doing. He knew that it would lead to salvation. Yet Jesus still wept. In our waiting, in our deep, dark times, Jesus Christ with us. In our Martha and Mary moments that that we're all experiencing, he sees, he cares, and he suffers with us. You know what that tells us? We cannot measure God's love for us by our circumstances, it's impossible. In this this world, we we cannot look at our circumstances and say, God loves me this much. I appreciated those songs we sang today, Amy. You know, the the reckless love of God. And sometimes in our circumstances, it can seem as if God doesn't care. But can I tell you, whatever you're going through, God loves you intensely. Divinely. Divinely. But the main point this morning is not just God's love and and his crying with us in our circumstances, but the point is the resurrection of Lazarus after four days. Um, This is not a near-death experience. (laughs) This is not 90 minutes in heaven, right? This is four days days. And after four days, I like the King James Version better here. It says, he will probably stinketh. (laughs) Uh, You know, stinketh is the only phrase you can use when you go into a teenage boy's room. It (laughs) stinketh. Can I hear an amen from you, Polly? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is significant. This is beyond reasonable this is beyond being revived. This is buried and gone. The funeral is over. This is, let's move on to the next phase of life. Lazarus is gone. Can you imagine the scene in heaven? You know, Lazarus already moved into his room in heaven. You know, he's sitting playing Nintendo. Nintendo. And he gets a call on the intercom. Hey, Lazarus, can you come back to the office? Lazarus, I don't want to go. Thank you, Jesus. There are no lost causes with Jesus. Even death. <laughs> the point of this story is even death is not a lost cause with Jesus. So what's your lost cause? All of us have lost causes. All of us have things in our life that, that, we, that, that we've just washed our hands of. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe your finances are a lost cause. Maybe it's your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your relationship at work. Or maybe it's your relationship with your neighbor. Or, or maybe it's a hurt that's just too deep. Maybe it's your health. What, what are your lost causes? And as I look around this room, I, I, I probably could guess some because we've had some conversations and I prayed with you. And I, I know you guys are going through some deep, dark things. What, what, what are the lost causes in your life? Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 18 through 20, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. In the old times, we'd go, "Woo!" right? We'd wave a hanky or something. God is at work. And my prayer for you this morning is that your eyes would be open to the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. You know, it's, it's easy to relate with Mary and Martha. And all of us have been there or were there currently. But God has something more in mind than that Mary and Martha moment that we're living in currently. We may be living in a Martha and Mary moment. But the resurrection of Lazarus reminds us of God's planned end to all of our stories as well. He's got more in store for you. He's got more in store for me. One day one day God will fully reveal himself and even our lost causes will be a cause to bring him the glory. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What's all things mean to you? (laughs) Just the good things? Just the bad things? All things. Whatever you're going through in your life, God will somehow miraculously, only God can do this, but he will take these things and he will work them for your good and his glory. Yeah, I don't have all the answers. And all God's people said, I don't. And I got to tell you, I'm always a little bit worried about people that think they do have all the answers, uh, but I'm resting in his promises. I'm standing on the promises, and, 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 and I have hope. I don't just preach this, but I have hope in all circumstances, and I, I have to practice persistence and patience. This week, Dylan and Dana were in Nashville, and and she had to work. Um, she's on call. She um. She does coordination for a Christian organization between. Um, adopting adopting parents and and mothers giving up their children for adoption. And, and, and some lady had the poor sense of having a baby on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so she had to go to the hospital and follow up, and she had to be on call to take care of all those things. And so Dylan, you know, didn't want to spend his first Thanksgiving away from his spouse or away from family. So we drove down to Nashville and cooked a turkey in a hotel room and, you know, and brought that over to their house. Uh, The the night before, we did the escape game. Anybody ever do the escape game? We did the escape game, and we got out. We escaped. I told everybody it was just a matter of time. Once I needed to start going to the restroom, we were going to get out of that room. Uh, You know, it became very desperate, and the clues became a lot easier to solve, but did the escape game, and then we did Thanksgiving, and yesterday we started to come home, and as we were starting to come home, um, I got a call that dad needed to go to the hospital. And, and then, of course, mom needed to go to the hospital. They do everything together. <laughs> and so they took him to St. Elizabeth's in Cincinnati. And uh, we stopped and saw him. The doctor came and talked to us. Dad's 90. Uh, you know, so any illness is bad for a 90-year-old, right? <laughs> and he has blood clots. And, and then he came out and gave us... The big C word, the big cancer word for dad. And, um, you know, we could have dropped through the floor. It was unexpected. And to be honest, we don't know the extent um, or, you know, anything at this point, but I got to tell you, the doctor wasn't overly positive. A very nice doctor, very compassionate. Um, But can I tell you, death is not the final answer. This is not a lost cause. And I stand firm in Jesus Christ. Jesus has shown us the way through. And folks, we're going to make it through. <laughs> and at some point, my dad's going to go and be with God. And, and, and I don't want that to happen. None of us want that to happen. I can I tell you, when that happens, I'm okay with it. Because I have, I have staked my life. I have staked every part of my being on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for you and for me. But it's not just about what God wants to do for us, but what God wants to do through us. Uh, We're blessed to be a blessing. God wants to be wrapped in our flesh. We're we're not fully God, but we can be full of God. We can be filled with His Spirit. We can have the mind of Jesus Christ. We can be holy like He is holy. We can be an image of God. And the question for this series is, 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 at its essence, are you willing to allow God to wrap himself in your flesh? (laughs) And we talked about meeting needs, and we we talked about people who, who were more than their reputation, and we talked about being willing to step into chaos, and we talked about being willing to go to places others would not go. And the question for today is, how do you interact with lost causes? Can, can you continue to love those lost causes that God has placed in your life? Can you think of who those lost causes might be? You know, Terry's dad, man, it and I, I've talked about this a long time, often, but it took him a long time to come to a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> he, uh, We'd get him in church and you would think, well, this will be the time. For many years, he was simply he was simply Christmas and Easter. You know, he was he was two times regularly (laughs) to church. And and then we started getting him to a few revivals, and, and you know, it just seemed like he would never make that commitment. He he had a heart attack, and he was in the hospital. And there was a guy that had known him for years and years and years that went to church with Jim for years and years and years. And as Jim's laying in the hospital bed, this guy was literally on the floor by his bed begging him to accept Jesus as his Savior. What will it take? You know, for, for, from everything on the outside, it looked like a lost cause. And I'm thankful for a pastor that, that even though <laughs> Jim probably wasn't a tither, and he really wasn't a regular attender, Pastor Hiley went on vacations, went to eat, and loved and loved and loved and loved and loved until Jim finally came into relationship with Jesus through the persistence of this pastor. Who's that lost cause? that God has placed in your life. That, that, that other people would say, ah, just let them go, forget about them. But, but right now, God has placed them on your mind, and he's saying, you need to just continue to love on them. Because they may be a lost cause to everyone else, but they're not a lost cause to me. Well, we're going to close in some time of prayer. Bring the lights down, if you will. Eric? I I believe that's our response. What about you? Somebody say amen. Amen. Our response in times like this is prayer. Our altars are always available. Maybe there's a circumstance you're going through. Maybe you're in a Martha and Mary moment and you just need to meet with God. Our altars are always available. Our our, our altars, you know, there's nothing supernatural about these pieces of wood. But but there is something special that happens when we, by faith, step out and come forward. I I believe that. that By faith, by, by doing things physically, oftentimes we demonstrate to God our willingness to hear from Him. And so oftentimes I've come to an altar and it's, it's not been that the altar was special, but my willingness to come forward and, and humble myself and pray was special. And God used that to speak to me. So, so maybe there's a circumstance you're going through and you just want to come forward and, and spend a couple minutes in prayer. Maybe there's a person you're praying for. And you want to come forward and represent them before God and say, God, what what is it? What can I do? How can I serve you? How can I show you? So we're going to take a few minutes, and then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer.